Well, it's Labor Day weekend, isn't it? And uh, it shows. But hey, we're glad you're here, okay? Uh, we have scripture up today, and um, we're going to read from 1 John as we begin a new series. And as we get that up, I'm very excited about this new series, How Sweet the Sound. How sweet the sound. It doesn't take long when we sing the song that Anthony just led us in to hear those three words. How sweet that sound. Four words. So we're going to read the scripture together, and it comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Let's read it together. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God, and the scripture went away. <laughs> Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that your grace is still amazing and it's still unfolding. Your unmerited love toward us. Nothing we've done. It's all about what you do. And so use this time as we're together. Continue to use this time. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, maybe you remember the motion picture by the same name as the book, Big Fish. And in it is a character who is a storyteller himself. And he is telling his son about how he met his wife and the mother of this son. And in this story, he describes how he was at a circus early on as a young adult, and he saw this beautiful blonde in a blue dress in the circus, as part of the circus, and he thought, she's amazing. And he was immediately infatuated with her, and so he went to the circus operator and he said, look, if you'll give me a clue every once in a while, uh, I'll work for you about who this woman is. She's amazing. And so, sure enough, he'd work and he'd get a clue. Well, she loves daffodils. That's not a lot to go on. And he'd work some more. Well, she attends a large university at Alabama. She's a student there. It was actually Auburn. And he'd work a little bit more. Her name is Susan Templeton. Still not much to go on in his pursuit of this young, beautiful woman. Well, we are in this series entitled 
How sweet the sound. And we're taking a look at grace. And specifically God's grace. I like that definition of grace in general. God's unmerited or unearned favor toward humanity. Specifically on a personal level. Nothing we have done to earn this. But it is a free gift from God. Unmerited love and favor. And we're going to be looking at different dimensions of grace. We're going to take different vantage points, if you would, of God's grace. And so I want to encourage you to be here in the journey next week as we look at these. We'll talk about sustaining grace and sanctifying grace and saving grace. And one thing about the Methodist movement is we, we hold in high regard a fellow by the name of John Wesley, and he was big on grace. In fact, it's a centerpiece for our Wesleyan theology, his name, and the Methodist theology. Today, I want us to take a look at prevenient grace say that with me prevenient grace grace. you can put an extra syllable in there if you want prevenient grace and prevenient grace is that grace which comes before it's the action of divine grace which proceeds any conscious personal experience in the life of grace in the life of the person It is that divine initiative that started long ago before the awakened soul is serious about one's life with God and one's sin. It's the impulse to pursue God, and that impulse originates with God. I want to suggest to you that it's like the dating period, if you would, or the courting period, or the wooing period, where God is invitational. Now, he's always invitational, but he's invitational without us being aware. Think about that. Now, those of you that know me pretty well, you know that I, I'm intrigued. I like vehicles, cars. And uh, I don't know if it's because I used to build those little Ravel models with that glue. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but I've always liked cars and maybe that's my weakness okay my addiction I don't know but um, I'm fascinated too with the whole culture of cars like going on a car lot a new car lot I mean isn't that a trip you walk out there you're just looking around you know maybe I've seen one of your cars and I think hey maybe I can have one of those and so I go out to a car lot and I look around and I'm amazed at how fast the service reps are Boom, they're right on you. I mean, if I could get you all to invite people to church like they move towards a potential client or customer, it'd be awesome. All right, and so so I walk out there, and I love their one-liners, don't you? You could drive away in that today, you know. And I'm thinking, in my dreams. And uh, let me go get the key for you, and I'll be right back. I'll be like, no, no, I'm looking. No, I'm going to get that key. And man, he's passionate, and he runs back in, gets that key, opens it up, says, sit in that thing. 
That smell is intoxicating. Smells great, doesn't it? Yeah, it smells like payments. Uh, and, and, and then the ultimate. You know what the ultimate is? I tell you what, you look like somebody I could trust. Why don't you take it home tonight and let the little missus see it? Isn't that great? And I'm like, okay. And so, you know, he's making me feel good, you know, about myself. I have no reason to feel good about myself in that situation because I shouldn't be there in the first place. But hey, I'm feeling pretty good. So I drive home. I'm thinking, hey, baby, look at this. And she makes me take it back. But it's, I really believe that's kind of a word picture, if you would, of God's great love for us. And even before we received Christ into our lives, he was working so hard to close the deal, to sweeten the pot, to get to that point where we, by his grace, could reciprocate, we could respond. That's prevenient grace. Listen to this divine initiative as we find it in the scripture. Isaiah 49.1, the Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. Before you were conceived in the womb, you were thought of God. And he never forgot. 1 John 4, 19, we read it. We love him. We, we love God because he first loved us. He first took that initiative with us. And then the gospel of John says, Jesus said, for this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. I think what he's saying there is this grace, which is amazing, which is sweet, all began with the giver of grace, the author of grace in Jesus, in God. And so there's some aspects uh, related to provenient grace I'd like for us to talk about, and they happen to be P words. Why not? Let's keep it together. Provenient grace. Say that with me. I just want to make sure you're awake on this Sunday of Labor Day weekend. All right. The first one is, I want to suggest to you that provenient grace is previous grace. It is where God is running out ahead of us. It is where God has already established his grace and we're simply running into it. And I believe that that is still the case today, even if we've received Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Even if we are a God follower, I want to suggest to you that we can celebrate the fact that God is always previous. He's always working in advance. He's always working things together, not, well, for the good. Not everything works out good, but he's working things for the good for those who love the Lord, the scripture says in Romans, and are called according to his purpose. So I take comfort in the fact that while I may pray about things, and that's important, I can know that God is already at work. God is already previous to my initiatives. And my task is simply to join him in the work that he's already doing. 
So prevenient grace is a previous grace, and it's a preparing grace. It's a building block grace. It's a foundational grace that gets us to the point where we can respond. It's that courting. I have a good friend of mine who says it's It's preventative grace as well. You need to celebrate, Tim, that it's preventative grace. And I said, you're my friend, man. You've got this dramatic conversion. I mean, if we had movie ratings, yours would be an R and mine would be a G. And he said, let me say, you've been protected from much. You see, that preventative grace is, was really, was prevenient grace working in your life. And so I really want to thank the Lord for his grace because there were moments where I almost stopped stepped off where I shouldn't. That's always the case. I'm one heartbeat away from a wrong decision, but I'm grateful that His Spirit works in us to help in preventative ways from us harming ourselves and others. And you know, He has a lot of mediums. He has a lot of vehicles. Um, one is, I want to say, ambassadors of grace, of prevenient grace. Think about how we've just opened up a children's wing, preschool wing, youth wing. We are fully committed to creating an environment where our kids' faith will be nurtured. We're committed to having staff and volunteers to reach out because we never know when that ground is really fertile. I'm thankful that this summer we had vacation Bible school and a number of kids that have no relationship with the church heard the gospel because of you. You see, all of those people, volunteers represent ambassadors of grace. I think about my youth pastor and how he was an ambassador of grace, that seeds were planted in my life. I think about the woman who said, you know, my parents really never attended church, but my grandmother would take me when I went to visit her that's an ambassador of grace. Are you an ambassador of grace? Maybe today you feel like, you know what? This person is so far from God and so far from the church. You've lost some hope that they could ever turn around. Could it be that you're an ambassador of grace? That God is using you to set the stage 
for a transformation. And then there are pointing events. One of the pointing events that we write into our church experience is infant baptism. We say a couple of things with infant baptism. Number one, when a baby is baptized, we say, number one, that child has been marked by God. They have the image of God upon them. They are precious in the eyes of God. And that God is working and has been working and will continue to work for them and with them by his grace. Number two, we say, oh, it's the parents' involvement as well, that they'll create an environment of grace, that it'll be a Christian home, and that they'll have an environment that will be nurturing and caring and exemplary of what Christ is like in a loving home. And then we say, you know what, as part of the team, we, the church, have a role in this. And so we invest in this little one. Because we believe that there'll come a time where they will acknowledge that grace. We believe there'll come a time where they can respond. I like that image of a college trust fund related to infant baptism, and it's as though we are saying, you know what, we're making this huge investment. A number of folks have paid into this mutual fund. We really believe it's going to accrue interest, and it does. And when they get to that adolescent age or adulthood or early adolescence, whatever, and they decide they have a choice. It's like a college fund. You can either dip into it and get your education, or you can choose to ignore it. But all of that prevenient grace has earned interest over time. And the groundwork has been laid. And then finally, the wonderful thing is that we have another factor that comes into this prevenient grace. And that is that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, I believe that when you invite Christ into your heart and life, that you are filled with the Spirit. Now, it's a process where we let that spirit have ownership over every category of our lives. It doesn't happen all at once. But that's an important moment. That's huge. And we call that saving grace. And we're going to talk about that, or justifying grace. When we invite Christ and accept the salvation, the unmerited favor that's been offered to us, the unearned favor and love. But I want to say to you that I believe the Holy Spirit is always working even before we choose Christ. In other words, I liken it to God's Spirit pinging into our lives. And we put up defenses and we put up security firewalls, if you would, but God's grace continues to try to move in even when a person's heart is hard. And if you will look back on your life, I believe you'll see the fingerprints of God. I believe that, that you can identify those places, those people that God used to penetrate into the heart. And so know that that Holy Spirit is working in you and through you. 
prevenient grace, that grace that is previous, it's, it's preparatory, it's preventative. And it really amounts to a relentless pursuit on the part of God. He so loves us. He is so passionate for you. Well, there is a scene. Edward gets beat up. He goes through all this stuff until the moment comes. And he's able to create this field of daffodils as he's telling the story to his child, his son. And he looks up at the dorm room and she comes down and he says, you are the one I want to marry you. I want to be with you the rest of my life and your life. And the story unfolds and she says, yes. You see, I think that's the same kind of thing with us. God longs to be with us, united with us, the companion, is one who comes and fills our lives, not because he's a control freak, but because he's so passionate that he wants to lay claims to us for our good. And his glory. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you continue to do a good work. Your grace continues to be previous. You're always running ahead of us. You're always looking for our best. And so today, we just ask God that you would open up our hearts. If there's somebody in this room that has not invited Christ into their life. Lord, I pray they will open up now, that they will sing, see your fingerprints and sense how you have been at work. If there's somebody that simply says, well, I know Christ, but I want more of Christ, I pray they will come as well as we worship together. Mm-hmm.